We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to the Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And after our long week without Lakers basketball, we're back. We got games this weekend against the Detroit Pistons and the San Antonio Spurs. And guys, I can't remember any stretch in over the course of my fandom where we've had this much time off. And I remember when I was coaching, certainly very different than the NBA, one of the things I always lamented was, I wish we had more practice time. I wish we had more film. The pace of the season, the games happen so quickly that like a lot of what you learn is actually in games. And so a break like this is a bit of a gift. And so before we start on the games this weekend, Mike, I'm curious, what do you know about what we got done over the course of this last week? Well, it is like a mini training camp in a way, and it's a reset. It's a, a focus on what are the things that this team is built upon, considering what the personnel is. And we know what that is. We know it's their defense and the aggressive defense. And then it's right now, as LeBron works his way back, it's Anthony Davis being uh, this just really impressive paint presence. And I'll let Darius, who wrote about that for today's three things on Lakers.com, you should check it out about how many shots AD's taking in the paint this mm-hmm. year uh, versus in previous years. And this Pistons team for this specific matchup, because of course the week of practice wasn't all leading up to it, but you know, this is, it's the first thing that matters. They are not only shorthanded, but also small um, inside. So I think it's, it's a chance for some continuity from the last couple of games. And then they hit this stretch of big teams, or at least guys that are playing a big center. And that's where, you can't just bank on the way that you're going to play offense in the half court and attacking the pain mm-hmm. and, and where you really do have to get back to those defensive principles, get that team out and get those teams that are a little bigger out and running um, and score some in transition. And then of course the biggest thing aside from that is just working in two new rotation pieces. We spent some time earlier this week on the pod about Dennis Schroeder and Thomas Bryant, both of whom expected to play in Friday's game. So it's, it's a lot to pack into a week, but it's also more time than any other team has had. Uh, to to reset a little bit and get things moving. So Darius, go ahead. If, if you want to get into AD right away, or if you just want to hit a general reaction from the practice this week. No, I think staying on the practice front, Mike, I wanted to ask you about sort of the chatter around the team around LeBron 
and his leadership. And like Dennis brought this up a couple of times. Yeah. And, and there have been a couple of other players that I feel like have brought up LeBron and his leadership during this this time. So and and the update from LeBron from a physical perspective, too, because I know that he was a partial participant, at least in the practices on Wednesday and Thursday. So I'll kick it back to you here. But but what are you hearing about sort of LeBron and that engagement level, both from a physical standpoint, getting back from injury, but from a mental and leadership standpoint in terms of trying to navigate this team and get them back on track? So I didn't actually get to go to practice yesterday, but I had to fill in and host the studio show uh, last night. And and I therefore I not only saw the clips, but was talking about um, them with the Kamenetsky brothers. And I'm not I, I was trying to figure out I was like, was somebody writing a story about LeBron's leadership? Because a lot of the questions kept coming yeah. up to different guys. And, you know, I think the to me, the interesting point of the discussion is not just with this year, but the roster of the last three years and what LeBron's role is and all these new guys and the lack of continuity and him being the leader on the floor and trying to put people in different positions and oftentimes not necessarily having the right pieces to be putting into those situations. And therefore, you know, what level of full engagement can you have when the when the roster isn't fully balanced? So I think that it's tricky, but the quotes from Schroeder and Bryant were all like, oh, yeah, you know, that it's kind of what you would expect, like from the like he's LeBron, he's the best, the leadership's been there, like he's the one. Uh, but the one point that I did that did kind of pique my interest, Pete, was more just that he's been more vocal the last couple of days and yes. even the last couple of games than he was earlier in the season um, as he's been on the sideline and as he's been watching some things. And so that's curious to me, you know, as he's as he's now transitions whether it's this game or next game, to being on the court and how that helps not just him, but the rest of his teammates. That's exactly what stood out to me. That was uh, one of Dennis's comments was that, you know, they had asked him, like you said, a lot of the questions were along those lines of LeBron's leadership. And what Dennis mentioned was like earlier in the season, he wasn't saying much like in film sessions and practices and things like that, but he's been more vocal of late. And that really stood out to me. I'm... I'm just speaking from from myself here and what, what I've observed and what I think is something that's certainly at least plausible is I've been curious about like what is LeBron's level of engagement going into this season at the beginning of this season, knowing that this as it currently stands is not a championship roster, that the ask on him, especially early, if we were to win games as we're kind of figuring out, oh, this guy's better off the bench, this guy's better in the starting lineup, all of that is extraordinary for a guy in his 20th season I could I would totally understand if LeBron went into this season like are y'all fucking serious with this team you know and like it, it would make sense to me right and so him starting to speak up a little bit more like if he saw and again I don't know if this is the case or not D but that indicates to me that he's seen some degree of like Hey, this team is worth a damn. There's something in there worth fighting for, something worth being a little more engaged on, right? And so, again, I'm not in the room. I, you know, I'm I'm close, but I'm not as close as Mike, and I'm certainly not in the the locker room. But that all makes sense to me, right? Like that that idea of LeBron, like maybe being a little demoralized to start the season. There's a clip going around about him talking about Aaron Rodgers, where he could very well be talking about himself, talking about trading picks and whatnot, right? That was one of the stories yesterday. I totally get it. I totally get if LeBron is in that headspace. But him starting to lead vocally, even as he's physically recovering, D, I don't know, it's notable. And in the context of him being out and Anthony Davis 
having Anthony Davis shining as kind of the centerpiece of the offense and then having a week to regroup. All of these pieces, I think that if we handle it right, can be very beneficial in that when LeBron comes back, we can maybe look a little bit different on the offensive end. And I don't know, I just there's there's something we can galvanize. And tonight's the first game that we play against a team that has a worse record than us. Now, there are only two teams in the league with a worse record than us. But that's that's something that this is the first weekend where it's like, hey, we're if we're not better than the teams that we play this weekend, we're in deep trouble. And so just I, I'm real curious about your thoughts on that, D, but with LeBron in particular. Yeah. So to Mike's earlier question about, hey, I wonder if someone is writing a story or where these questions are coming from. As someone who has followed the team from a distance for a long time and someone who has relied on sort of the ebbs and flows of how the media engages with a basketball team when you're not there every single day, I almost won that. I 1000% chalk it up to the idea that Pat Bev brought something up the other day after the game, totally unprompted. And that allowed reporters and media folks to start fishing around for like, oh, like, what is this? And it's like Mm. the same thing where, so I don't know if you've ever seen the Spike Lee movie Inside Man, but it's a heist movie. And so everyone gets arrested and then they start interviewing everyone, right? That was in this bank as part of this heist. And so one of the things that happens with the media at times is like, hey, I'm going to ask you this question. And then when your teammate comes, I'm going to ask you this question. Mm. And then when your other teammate comes, yeah, I'm going to ask like being this question. Interrogated yeah, yeah. by the cops, right? Like and, and, you get different stories. You're like, hmm. <laughs> every story, like we're looking for all the alignment there to see if anyone sort of strays mm-hmm. off track a little bit. And so that's what I sort of took from all of the LeBron leadership inquiries, Mike. So just as a note, I've hinted at this before, but it can also go the other way. And not that... So not that that was that particular story is certainly not fishing for something bad, but sometimes that can be that could be a narrative, right? Where you're trying to find somebody that it'll say something a little different and that gives you a story. Or Mm -hmm. you might ask the same person, the coach, a couple of players, the same question. Like, for example, why is AD not getting the ball more in the second half and make everybody answer it to Mm -hmm. the point where it's so on their minds that and if it wasn't already, which oftentimes it is, and then it becomes a point of emphasis. and. Mike, is this along the lines of your uh, Caruso Jedi mind tricks where you just ask Vogel about his plus minus three, four times a week until he played him more? Yeah. Yeah. I, look, I do take personal credit for Alex Caruso's right now. Yes, uh, yeah, you, as you should. <laughs> Why did I tell Jomi that he was my guy? No. I mean, I, I, I did. I felt like uh, this was before our group thread, but I feel like we were all on the same page there. For sure. You know, yes. um, I, my, the one I take most credit for is Dwight Howard his first season here in 2012 when he was refusing to run screen roll um, and with Steve Nash and he just wanted mm. to post up. Um, mm-hmm. I do feel like um, I, and then eventually I, I'm, you know, basically had, I don't want to say too much, but there were a couple of writers then that later started to ask about the same thing. And then it just built to the point where yeah. Dwight got asked that about it to by everybody. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden he's like, okay, I guess I'll run screen roll. And then the team won, you know, whatever it was, 17 to 20 games before Kobe got Good hurt. job, Mike. So thanks guys. You know, it, so Darius, it's, sometimes it can be, you know, sometimes that kind of that kind of stuff can can come in handy. But it's oftentimes I'm building it up too much, too. Oftentimes it's just obvious stuff, right, that anybody covering the team mm-hmm. would be asking totally. about, right? And it's, n- nobody necessarily deserves a medal. Well, also, too, it's just like, and this will end our little media side side tangent here, but it's just like, it's a long season. 
It's 82 games. You have to come up with topics and stories. And if you have to milk something mm-hmm. for a few days and you milk something for a few days because, hey, like we're going to be here a while. And so let's talk about this 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 time. And we're going to ask about this. Anyways, back to LeBron's level of engagement and and investment. One of the things that I think will always trigger a superstar is when their superstar teammate starts to show that he too is also a superstar. We can talk about, oh, the rising tide lifts all boats, but role players are not rising tides. Superstars are rising tides, right? And so last night, Mike, I don't know if you caught any of the Nets game against um, the Trailblazers. I did. But Ben Simmons had one of his best games. Three games on last night. So it was like, oh, unfortunately, they all started at the same time. All the Clippers was a half hour later. But actually, I was like, four o'clock came around. Hold on. What's What's going on? There's no games here. Yeah. Come on, man. So I I was waiting for it. I was ready at seven. So anyways, Ben Simmons had one of his better games of the season for, well, for the Nets. But post-game, what piqued my interest about Ben Simmons' performance was Kevin Durant's comments about Ben Simmons' performance, which was like, hey, this is sort of a game we all needed to see. And this is sort of what we expect from him every single night. And it's that sort of leadership that Durant is showing there, too. It's just like, hey, like, like attaboy, let's keep doing that. And it doesn't. Whether it's coincidence or not, Pete, the return of monster Anthony Davis and the return of potentially LeBron being like, hey, no, let's focus on X, Y, and Z in the film sessions. Let's focus on X, Y, and Z on the court pointing out mistakes, which is what Dennis was sort of like. They asked Dennis, well, Mm -hmm. what does that leadership look like? What's he saying? And Dennis is like, look, I'm not going to share a bunch. But what I will share, it's just like, when you mess up this coverage... He's telling you, you messed up this coverage, right? And it's like that idea of accountability. And when that's coming from the best player, and it, it, it's not a shock to me that those, like, whether it's related or not, it is related to me, at least, because AD looking like this version of, of Anthony Davis, that's the dude that LeBron has to feel like, oh, that's my partner in yep. destruction of the other team. That's got to be animating, right? That's kind of what my point was when I was saying that we're in a hole that only superstars can bring us out of, right? Like a guy like Pat Bev can speak truth to power in the film session, right? And that's super important. Uh, but guy like him, guys like Lonnie, Troy Brown, they can play well. They can be, hey, like they're they're doing well, Mike, but this is a LeBron James, Anthony Davis, if we're going to get out of this hole. And I don't know, there's been some encouraging signs on that front. The LeBron AD point, remains the key to all of it it remained the key last year uh, when even with Westbrook coming in and they weren't good enough which I think we see in in hindsight a little bit more to the start of this season and now seeing AD raise his level I totally co-signed that point uh, about him specifically probably being charged up by Anthony Davis and the point I wanted to make about Patrick Beverly last year the Timberwolves were sorely lacking any type of leadership voice and he came in there and he was saying stuff to Kat and to D'Lo that they either hadn't heard before or weren't listening or nobody was willing mm-hmm. to be confrontational about because mm-hmm. of the status that they had as young, you know, a number one pick, a number two pick, sometimes get treated with kid gloves a little bit. And the franchise wants to make sure that those guys are are happy in a certain way. And Beverly came in and said, no, 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 no. This mm-hmm. stuff that you guys are doing, this sucks. We're not playing like this. And it worked. Mm -hmm. It worked really well. 
But when Patrick Beverly comes to a team and that team has LeBron James on it, he can say whatever he wants. And if LeBron isn't co-signing it, it, it just falls upon ears that are at least more deaf, not completely mm-hmm. deaf, but at least somewhat. And so, it, and I'm not minimizing the importance. I still think that's great to have something, somebody who's willing to speak like that, but it has to be embraced by the main guy. And, and then it just will, it will filter down. And, and I just think that the point there is that yes, Beverly is, is uh, significant, but it's all about what LeBron thinks and how he feels. And that's the thing that's going to lead the team or not. Yeah. And so in sort of wrapping up this part of the conversation, I'm hopeful after this many days off and the guys got a couple of days off to rest their bodies, some, which is always important and to Mm -hmm. recharge mentally as well, which is always important. Mm -hmm. And they did that on the heels of a good win, which is also helpful in Mm -hmm. pushing you towards that, that positive spirit. Right. And then they come back and have a couple of engaged days at practice and LeBron maybe seems a little bit more into it potentially and lots of smiles. I Look, I, I follow the Lakers social media accounts. I'm right there on on IG and seeing Lonnie and AD with his wild hair and everyone else mm-hmm. is looking like we're having a good, good time. So let's go to break here because. I want to talk a little bit about how that good time gets carried over from the practice court to the actual court in a couple of important games against some lower level opponents. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, Mike, you, you're going to be there tonight, obviously, for Lakers versus Pistons. And the Pistons, <laughs> you had messaged this during our text thread that this might be the most imbalanced like rest advantage that you've uh-huh. ever seen for an NBA game because the Lakers had all this time off. They have not played since Sunday. And the Pistons just lost on Thursday night to the Clippers. So they're heading into a back-to-back. And not only that, I wrote about this in my three things piece, but they lost a tough game. Like the Pistons are not a very good basketball team, but they were in a 
position to win this game against the Clippers and sort of lost steam down the stretch when the Clippers picked it up on both sides of the floor. And so how do you see the Lakers sort of building on what they have this week and how do they bring that in against a Pistons team that is young and athletic and hungry, but suffered a kind of a tough loss last night and is on the second night of a back to back? How do you see those ideas colliding? The Pistons lost that game you know, down the stretch because they just, they just didn't have the guys that know how to execute in those kind of settings. This is what happens with young teams and they hung in there. They played harder than the Clippers. Uh, they were more into it. They were, they were pretty spirited throughout the game. Bogdan Bogdanovich was hot. You know, I think he was 10 for 18 from the field. He had 26 and then the young guys kind of just, just did enough. Uh, Jaden Ivey wasn't efficient, but he was attacking uh, like a mm-hmm. maniac all night long and then they have a couple of guys like they just got Alec Burks and he he's a pretty good player off the bench. He struggled last mm-hmm. night. He was one for six. So I do think that he's the the kind of guy that will play a little better. But, you know, it's just an uneven team. And their best player, Cade Cunningham, is, is, of course, out. I think you mentioned earlier Isaiah Stewart is out, which makes them super small. So Bagley, the third, is playing center. Bogdanovich is playing power forward. They bring in a, a young big in, in Jalen Duran. What pick did he go? Was he like just outside the lottery? Um, in the twenties, maybe so like they've got some pop and some athleticism, but you know, you can just beat them by executing. And, and that's what the, the Clippers eventually did. The rest thing is just bizarre to me though, because I, they keep the stat when they send out the schedule and it shows how many, what do they call it? There, there's basically like, if you have the, if you have a day's rest over your opponent, it's, it's in one category. If the opponent has another, um, then it's switched, but usually it's like a day or two. And it's not four days versus zero days, like a plus four Mm -hmm. rest advantage. And while that definitely favors the Lakers early in the game, I think it might favor the Pistons who are going to be sharp and Mm -hmm. in rhythm. And it might take the Lakers, especially as they're introducing new pieces some time. But that's why I think it's all the more important that in this specific game early, it's pepper AD. And because that's something that, Rhythm, like even if he's not in a rhythm, just AD going to the basket. And this is where I kind of want to I want to prime Darius on some more of his AD stats uh, that he looked up. This to me is there's no rhythm or lack thereof that can beat that when when it's again, literally Marvin Bagley, who's probably going to be having to defend um, Anthony Davis. That's just not going to work for the Pistons. Yeah. The, the thing about AD is that like he's going to draw two against in this type of matchup, right? Like there's no version of the Pistons where it's like, hey, we could put this guy on him and survive with a 25 point game tonight. If you single cover AD and AD is looking to attack and be aggressive, it, it, it's a 40 point game. And so that though is the question. Mike brought that up, D, is that that discrepancy, that four days off, in some ways it's jumping off of the treadmill and then trying to get back on it when it's going a few miles per hour. Like if you don't do it right, like you might stumble a little bit and that, so that is what I'm going to be looking at early in tonight's game is just what is the level of attacking that the Lakers have? Because as Mike said, one thing about these young players, especially coming uh, to LA is they're going to attack the hoop. A guy like Ivy is just going to like, if you're not making your rotations, he's going to get all the way to the rim. Jalen Duran, you know, he was born after LeBron made his de- debut. He's the first player uh, in the NBA that fits that description. 18 years old, live, like super interesting uh, prospect. I, I actually like, 
like Durin quite a bit, but uh, like that's something that with an older team, D, there's some danger of a team that played last night with young legs, right? That if we're not looking to attack, not looking to run the floor, if we're not in that NBA rhythm, which totally might be the case with this much time off, they could jump on top of us early. Yeah, and this is one of the ideas I mentioned in my post. Both of those, actually, is that the Lakers do need to look to attack and they do need to look to play in transition. It might feel counterintuitive playing against a young, athletic and energetic team, but they just played last night. And I think the Lakers are going to have to test their resiliency mentally as well as physically, right? Like you lose a tough game. Now you got to play against the Lakers. What happens when they're racing the court? And they're trying to get baskets in transition. What happens mm-hmm. when they're establishing the paint offensively by throwing the ball to Anthony Davis and looking for him to be aggressive? Are your rotations going to be tight? Are you going to make all of the right decisions within the context of your defensive assignments? And to um, follow up with what Mike Mike was saying, 51% of Anthony Davis's shots this season are coming in the restricted area. 51%. Like that's mm. the highest of his Lakers tenure. Last year he was at 43%, which is a good, good number. But his two previous seasons, they were at like like 30 something percent and 28% in mm. the season after the bubble. And so AD, he's he's taking 10 shots a game, like within five feet. He is one of the players that is just dominating the painted area. And I expect the Pistons to respond accordingly, right? They're not going to give him clean looks all night and just let him attack. Now, whether or not that's full-on double teams, I am interested to see how that looks because we talked about this a couple of pods ago, but AD's been passing better, Pete, and Mm -hmm. the Lakers' spacing principles, while Stu laments a lot that like guys don't often cut and dive a lot, and I do think we need to see a little bit more of that specifically, the player sort of being in these little satellite areas does allow for a post player to sort of know where my reads are, mm-hmm. right? And like, oh, my guy's going to be in the corner or my guy is going to be here, and those are where my outlets are. And so a lot of times you can make that pass not blind, but understanding that this is where my guys are. And so that's where it's the push and pull of, of it all. I do think AD needs to attack in order to draw the second defender. He needs mm-hmm. to score in order to make sure that those doubles are firm. And then he needs to make the proper reads and mm-hmm. pass out. Guys are going to have to hit a couple of shots. And if they do, then the defense is going to loosen up again for him, Pete. And he's going to be able to attack more and more and more. The rhythm element for me in terms of being off for a while sometimes can come out as just energy. But other times it can come out as just missing some shots, like until those come in. Yeah. And So that's what I don't want to see in the first quarter is AD gets doubled, kicks over to somebody, you know, missed wide open three from the corner. Pistons run the other way in transition, you know, come back down like the game going that way. So I'm not particularly nervous of the double team. Like who's going to come on the, from the weak side. That's really going to be able to affect AD that much. Is it Bogdanovich? No. Is it Sadiq Bay? You know, maybe a, a little <laughs> bit with his athleticism. Not really. So I just, if they front him and they're super aggressive doubling that, like that's, that's fine. Then somebody's going to be completely wide open and they can even drive from the weak side and get all the way to the rim. And then guess what? There's no rim protection on the other. So I just, to me, this is a, you can do whatever you want schematically Detroit on defense to try to jump, (laughs) but we're still going to give AD the ball. We're still going to tell him, keep being aggressive. Don't settle. Like 
his back's feeling good. You know, he's been off for this week. So I'm just, I'm trying to, if I'm Darvin Ham, I'm pumping up AD before the game and being like, mm-hmm. go kick their ass. Uh, who cares what they do with you? And of course, make the open pass if they completely sell out. But, you know, let's go ahead and get your 30. Well, that's a win too, right? Like if they, if AD is aggressive, that's exactly what they'll have to do to keep him from scoring time and time again. And one of the things I'm interested to see, uh, especially with AD's improvement as a post passer, is what does LeBron look like on the weak side? Of all of his immense talents, LeBron's also one of the best cutters in the league. Like when he gets the opportunity to operate off of the ball, if you turn your head or if you're sending so much attention to AD's direction and you've got LeBron crash, uh, you know, crashing into the paint. That's something where like when I, I totally agree, Mike, that idea that one of the ways that rhythm can show up is a not ha- is not making your jumpers. This should be a game where we're sending like wave after wave toward the rim, right? Where it's like Anthony Davis is it, being aggressive down low in the paint and in the post and on his rolls. But then if they sell out toward that, somebody from the weak side is diving as well. And if that's LeBron James, Lonnie Walker, exactly. Nice in sense, yeah. Right. This it could be a big rust game for similar reasons, D. So that that though, I think is a different formula than what we face against San Antonio. The first guy I always think about with San Antonio is Jakob Pertl, just because he's kind of the centerpiece of their defense. And he is one of those bigger physical type of fives. I'm I, I like his game quite a bit. Uh and so what let's move on to that San Antonio game, guys. D, what do you see in that matchup against them? We got them three times coming up, and they are the next team ahead of us in the standings. I still think that this is a big Anthony Davis game like oh like you think this is your strength you think your strength is interior defense Mm. all right well then go ahead show me as i love to say show me that that's your strength how are you going to do if anthony davis like oh you want to single cover him with jacob pertle fantastic Right. I don't know if Greg Popovich is actually going to do that. Honestly, he may believe in Jakob Pertl as an interior defender, but I bet he believes more in maybe being able to contain a Lakers three point shooting attack that is hovering around 30 percent for the season. <laughs> right. And, and, and so that's the push and pull of it all. And so this is why and this is the point I was making um, with a lot of exuberance the other day is like keep giving Anthony Davis a ball. I don't care what matchup he has down there. He could be, rest in peace, he could be facing prime Bill Russell and I'd be like, hey man, go attack this dude, Mm -hmm. right? Because the way that you beat any defense is making them make difficult choices based off of how you're going to defend and drawing extra help in order to make your teammates better. And Davis is the best player to do that right now, considering where LeBron's health is as well. In in a five on five scenario, D that's a win for the defense. Meaning that like, if you only have to devote like say one resource toward a a player, the defense is going to win that more often than not. It's when they got to start devoting one and a half guys, two guys to that player that regardless of that player's individual production, Mike, that there's a chain reaction effect on everyone else. And even the threes get easier when that happens. I love the point about AD and specifically thinking about Jakob Pertl because yes, Pertl is a good weak side defender. He's a good rim protector, but he absolutely can't guard AD one-on-one. And if they pull him out, whatever it is, if AD wants to do his little face-up game, even if if Pirtle, you know, jab steps a little bit, and just that's the spot where you don't settle. Because if he drives into Pirtle, Pirtle will foul him. 
and, and he will be <laughs> off the floor. Yeah. You know, and, and to me, the, the yeah. win for San Antonio in that case is, yeah, you can get away with it but because AD is going to step back. And even if he hits a couple of jump shots, he's not really attacking. He's not really being aggressive. But if he's being aggressive on Jakob Pertl or Joel Embiid or fill in your big center, um, that that is to me such a good formula. And, and it also probably increase or decreases the chance that they're going to bring the early double because they're going to try to get away with it. And that's a that's a great thing. Maybe it, maybe I will ask Darvin Ham about that um, in the pregame. You know, Darius before nice. that Spurs game, just to kind of just kind of make sure it's in the head. Mike, this but this is what it's about. Right now, like the Lakers are going to have to be an inside out team because they're definitely mm. not an outside in team. <laughs> Certainly not. But I'd argue, though, D, that we're equipped to do that. We do have some of the people like if, if you got eyes on AD and you got LeBron James on the weak side, you know, like yeah. there, there's there's something to work with there. Well, and this goes back to the point you were making about the Pistons, too, right? It's it's that the Lakers are one of the best paint attacking teams. And it's not just because Anthony Davis and LeBron James are posting up and getting two feet in the paint every single time. AD had 10 offensive rebounds against the Nets. Yeah. LeBron and AD both take around 10 field goal attempts per game within five feet of the basket. They are driving to the hoop. They are posting up and getting interior shots. They are playing in transition in order to get interior shots. And that is the formula for for the Lakers. And if there's one thing that we've learned with LeBron out, it's that AD is still that dude who can basically go get you baskets inside. Like, look, I put this in in the three things piece for for the Pistons game, but only 14% of AD shots are coming from the mid-range and he's taking the fewest number of threes per game that he's taken since his first three seasons in the league, mm-hmm. right? And so he is not, meanwhile, he's still scoring like 25 points a game. And yeah. so he is swapping jumpers for shots in the paint. It's what hey. he's doing. And I'm not mad that, at it. And no, in fact, we should be encouraging that. Because mm-hmm. for all of the ideas about, well, the beautiful game and what AD has and supersized wing, Pete, and like we've talked about this a bunch, <laughs> right? Like we sure. love that that idea about him. But he's also 6'11". He's got all the touch and feel and quickness of a guy who can play face-up basketball 12 feet and in and just go get you a hoop. And he's also strong enough that if you put um, a thinner big guy on him or you put a a power forward on him. Yeah, they don't have a chance. They don't have a chance against him. And, and so that idea, Mike, it's just like, ask him every game, post game, like continue to pepper everyone around the organization with like, hey, yeah, this version of AD, this is the dude, because this guy is an all NBA level center, right? And then I'm very interested to see what a Thomas Bryant return looks like and how mm-hmm. will that get AD? One shift a game at power forward, a half a shift a game at power forward where Bogdanovich has to guard him or Bogdanovich has to guard Bryant. And suddenly it's Thomas Bryant being like, oh, like barbecue right chicken the on of the, the offensive yep. glass. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's there's all of these minor advantages that can turn into wins at the end of the game on the scoreboard that I am interested in seeing how how this this progresses and to bring our conversation full circle i am super hopeful that these are the ideas that have been promoted over the last four or five days 
that this has been the focus of the team because that to me is where this team is going to be at at its best considering where its talent is. The follow-up for me on the shooting splits for AD is more about mentality than it is about what the offense looks like or what the balance is and spacing the floor in the modern game and making sure you get mm-hmm. X amount of threes up, which of course Darvin Ham said before the season. I think about it sometimes if if I'm taking my boys to a soccer game and I notice that one of them is a little bit whatever that morning, a little silly, you know, not not necessarily. And again, they're they're eight. Like, so I'm not going over the top, but I'm still trying to teach them some things. And so I'll get to the field and the one that's doing that, I might put my arm around him and be like, hey, look, man, just early in the game, like go in and get a tackle in on somebody. Like not mm-hmm. just just to kind of get your mind in the spot yeah. um, where it's got to be. And for AD, that to me is what some of those those paint touches and those paint pushes and those aggressive drives at the rim are, as opposed to the jump shot, which which can then flow for him into his mentality for the rest of the game. Some, but if he's coming out as that guy and he's got you know like a back in the day it was Rondo or Jared Dudley or whoever it is kind of gassing him up in that way of hey man. You, yeah, go get him. Go dominate him. And, <laughs> sure. and that has been more of his mindset the last couple. And, and maybe it took mm-hmm. LeBron missing a game or two for him to uh, to get into that headspace. And I would yeah. just like to see that continue with Le- when LeBron returns. And that because I think that helps LeBron more also. And I think it helps the Lakers more also. From watching this team for 13 games, that's been one of the places that I've arrived in terms of their identity is that I think the fight that we're most equipped to win are physical ones, right? The ability to be dominant in the paint, right? But it's with a small ball team. And so there are some times, especially in the the second quarter, like where we're running four guard lineups and those lineups are not going to physically beat you. But the common thread between our three highest paid players, between LeBron, AD, and Russ, is that their physical capabilities are like, that. that's the thing that they have in common the most between the three of them, is that ability to physically kind of kick your ass. And so that I think we need to lean into that. And I think that that mentality that you're talking about, Mike, is like the first domino that knocks down a bunch of other dominoes that if AD has that, it makes everyone's life so much easier that I I really think that that's like, that's the secret sauce. That's what we really need to lean into as a team. I was going to wrap it up here, D, but did you want to jump in or anything? Okay, cool. All right. Really looking forward to uh, having Lakers basketball back. I have missed it. Um, We will be back on Monday to talk about the games against the Pistons and the Spurs. Everybody have a good weekend. But until then, you've been listening to Laker Film Room Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time. Ainge has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic, got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. Van Exel to win it. It's on the way. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance in Boston. Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it!
Seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic trying to disrupt Rondo. He puts it in. Here's Davis. 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble. And banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.